I'm going to preach on a very controversial topic. It's a much neglected topic from pulpits today. It's a topic that is demeaned and bemoaned in our postmodern society as outdated. And it is, in fact, a four-letter word. Work. W-O-R-K. Work. Work. If you look at our text... We see it all over the text. Verse 9 says, we are laborers together. What is that? Workers. Workers. Amen. And then it says, according to the grace of God, verse 10, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. What is that? Work. Work. Amen. And then it goes on to say, let every man take heed how he buildeth. Work. Now, Uh, Verse uh, number 12. Now, if any man build upon this found work, amen? And then verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work. If any man's work abide. It's talking here about our our Christian life. The Apostle Paul is referring to our Christian life as a building. And we all start with the foundation that is Jesus Christ. No one starts building their Christian life, listen to me, until they become a Christian. Amen. Nobody, you you can't do the good works of a Christian until you become a Christian. And that is that we trust Jesus Christ and that good foundation is laid in our lives and then how we live our lives and what we do for God is the building that we build for God, the work that we do with our lives. We're laborers together. Let me say just a few thoughts about work and have a simple message tonight. We're going to talk about the work of God. We're going to talk about the work of God's enemy, and we're going to talk about the work of God's people. Simple, simple thoughts tonight. But let me say this. Work was ordained before the fall of man. Work was ordained before the fall of man. The Bible says in Genesis 2.8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15 of chapter 2 of Genesis says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So he said, before man ever fell, before man sinned, there was work. Now, it would have been wonderful to labor during that time. No sweat, no muscle fatigue, no achy knees. Amen? (laughs) Let me say something else about work. Work for God will be done in heaven. You say, oh, no, there's no work left to do in heaven. Well, what does the Bible say? Revelation 22.3 says, and there shall be no more curse. So praise God, we won't have achy knees and we won't have muscle fatigue and all that. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. Sounds like work to me, Brother Jim. Amen. Not going to feel like work. We'll be serving, amen, the king of kings. So work, work is ordained before the fall. Work was done in heaven. Do me a favor. Let's go to Proverbs, and let's just see what Proverbs says about this word work. Work. 
Let's look at Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 10.4. We'll just do a little word study on work here, labor, really a topical study on, on the, the topic of work. And I know it's not popular, but bless God, uh, as Christians, we ought to have a work ethic. Amen? Yeah. When, you're, when you're at work, you're on display for all to see. And I'll tell you what, you see somebody lazy at work, uh, I'm telling you what, they start talking to you about the Bible, the last thing you want to do is listen to them. Because they can't even take care of the boss's time. Come on, hey, somebody help me preach a little bit tonight, amen? Uh, listen, we ought to work, and we ought to work hard. I told my kids, I said, there are three things that will get you a timeout, and we all know what a timeout is. If you don't, if, I, I, I love that when we, we're in the store and we say, do you want a timeout? And the little liberal lady next to us looks, oh, that's sweet. They give them timeouts. Brother Mike, they don't realize that a timeout is right here, Amen. <laughs> I said to my boys, not long ago, I said, you can ask them. I said, there are three things that will get you a timeout. Lying. Automatic. Stealing. Automatic. And laziness. Laziness. You know why? Because when, I want, when they get to be 20 years old, I don't want them to be lazy on the job. I don't want them to be lazy in the work of God. Amen. And so, uh, talking about work, look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. It says, He that becometh poor dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. What does that tell us about work? Work ought to be done diligently. We talked about in our Sunday school class today on diligence. Work ought to be done diligently. Look down just one verse. It says, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Can we say this? Work produces wisdom. What does it say there in verse 5? He that gathereth in summer is a what? Wise son, amen? That's that one that's working. When there's work to be done, it's, it's summer, it's harvest time. We, we've got to do the work now, amen? Work produces wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12, go there with me. Proverbs chapter 12. I'm about to preach myself dry. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied. Satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Go over to Proverbs chapter 16. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26. Proverbs 16, 26. <clears throat> he that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it. Proverbs 28, 19. Proverbs 28, 19. <clears throat> He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. Can we say this? Not only does work produce wisdom and work is to be done diligently, work is necessary to satisfy physical needs. Ladies and gentlemen, we have two generations of people that think it's the government's job to take care of them. It's not. Some of you are old enough to remember when there was no welfare. There was something, and thank God for them, called the community chest. And you know what that was? People 
in a town, a community that were generous, that had done well, that would give. I'm telling you, I listened to the other day, I was out blitzing uh, on, boy, it was two weeks ago, cold day, and I just had my, my headphones in, I was just blitzing going down door to door, and I was listening to a speech by Clarence Thomas, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. It's called The New Intolerance, one of the greatest speeches. It's, good night, it's almost 25 years old now. And he said when he was a young man that he was raised, him and his brother were raised by their grandfather. Reminded me of Dr. Malone, same thing. And uh, he said that his grandfather had a steady stream of work to, to kill idleness in his life. And his grandfather said this. He said, when you worked and you produced extra, you gave to those who could not work. But when you produced extra, you never gave it to those who could work. To them, you gave an opportunity to work. Imagine that, ladies and gentlemen. I think the New Testament says that if any doesn't work, neither should they eat. I'll never forget in Bible college, oh my goodness, it was the, my senior year, it was February, and uh, we were having some, just some, Brother Case, I'm talking about some divisive issues in the student body, and just, just, you know, griping and complaining and all that, and so I had asked Dr. Charles McNeely, our vice president, I said, uh, Doc, it's Monday, and normally they would do, uh, they called it DC, and I found out quickly that wasn't donuts and coffee, it was discipline committee for people that had violated college rules, amen, you had to stand, and I asked him, I said, would you do me a favor and put away DC for one week and let me preach to the entire student body? And uh, he said, what do you got in mind? And I told him what I thought. And he said, go ahead. And so I preached a message called The Sins of the Student Body. And I'm going to tell you something. You, you could have heard a mouse squeak by. It was so quiet in there. And I said, you know what? I don't care if I get one amen. Somebody's got to straighten you people out. And I preached. And one of the things, Brother Jim, is it was February. And we had guys without jobs since September. That's a problem. That's a problem. Look, look, just read your Bible and see what that turns into. You become busybodies in everybody else's business because you don't have enough business of your own. Amen. Work is necessary to satisfy physical needs. Let's go back to Proverbs 13. Back to Proverbs 13. I don't know if this is helping anybody else, but it's helping me. I can tell you that right now. Just introduction here. Hallelujah. Proverbs 13, 11. It says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Go over to Proverbs 14, 23. Proverbs 14, 23. Young people, I hope that you, this verse will resonate in your life. And it says in Proverbs 14, 23, In all labor there is profit. You say, what if nobody recognizes my work? In all labor, there's profit. You know you did your best before God. There's profit in that. There's profit in all labor. So work is always profitable. In contrast, uh, while God commends work, God rebukes the sin, the sin, the sin of laziness. The sin. The sin of laziness, amen. He rebukes that. Proverbs 12, 24, look at it with me. Proverbs 12, 24. 
Think about this. The lazy will always be under the authority of a hard worker. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, Proverbs 12, 24, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Okay? The slothful, the lazy. Uh, let me give you another one. Proverbs 15, 19. Proverbs 15, 19. The lazy is fraught with difficulties of his own making. Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns. What that means, he, he makes his own mess. Amen? He makes his own mess. Uh, Proverbs 19, 15. Proverbs 19, 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and, the, and an idle soul shall suffer what? Hunger. Hunger. The lazy will suffer hunger. Proverbs 21.25, probably over just a page. Proverbs 21.25, the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. The lazy is destroyed by his laziness. He's destroyed by his laziness. And so, and it says right there in Proverbs 21.25, the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. See, it's not that the lazy can't work. It's they refuse to work. It's they refuse to work. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you look down at the next verse, Proverbs 21, 25, 26, he coveteth greedily all the day long. You say, what, what does that mean? The lazy person becomes susceptible to the sin of covetousness. The sin of laziness becomes the sin of covetousness. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the sin of America. This whole, ooh, you get me preaching on politics right now. This whole leftist society that wants what everybody else has earned. It's wicked, it's out of hell, and it's right out of these verses. Talks about that. You're lazy. Listen, stop protesting and get a job. There's plenty of them to be had, amen. Plenty of companies to hire in, amen. Uh, Really, honestly, it, it leads to covetousness. And listen, covetousness is based on the root of all evil, which is the love of money. Thinking that money. So work. Work. God has a lot to say about work. I want to notice, first of all, tonight, the work of God. And I'll be, I'll be quick on these points. I won't really dwell on the last point. But the work of God, and, and by the way, the work of God could be an entire series of sermons unto itself. I just got three quick points. God's work in creation. Aren't you glad that we serve the creator of the universe? And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he had rested from all the work which God created and made. We mentioned this morning that there was a day where it was just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. In the beginning, God, amen. And however long that lasted, but then a week later, everything that is, is, amen. Our God, his, his work of creation. Hey, remember the psalmist when he said, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hands. 
the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? But by the way, he is mindful of us. But his work in creation. Have you ever just stopped and admired God's work of creation? Boy, you know what? I think we call that meditation. And in this busy world that we live in, it, listen, ladies and gentlemen, in busy Christianity, in busy church life, sometimes there's not enough meditation. Now, I'm not saying be lazy. I just preached against that, amen? But there's a difference between being lazy and being reverent before God. I got here early this morning, and I, I, I honestly, I like getting here early. I, I try to get here about 6.15, 6.30 every day. And uh, it's been working out ever since I got back from the Philippines. God disturbed my sleep, Brother Corsa. So I figured, well, it's 4.30. I might as well get up and take a shower, amen, and uh, get here. And, and I, I get amazed when I, I'll be here early and get in the Word of God. And then, Brother Jim, I'll come out and I'll see the sunbeams poking through the gym window. And I'll just stop and I'll, I'll go out there and look for a little while. Say, wow, that's our God. That's our God. Doesn't it say in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handy work. Amen. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. And their language, or their, the line has gone out through all the earth. The words to the end of the world, in them he hath set the tabernacle for the sun. The work of God in creation. Oh, we could go on and on with that. But you know, uh, when I think of God's work, I think of God's work not only of creation, but I think of God's work of salvation. God's work of salvation. Acts 2.23, speaking of Jesus, says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands and crucified and slain. Acts 20.28, 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Jesus himself in John 19.30 said, It is Finished, And what was he referring to? His work. The work that he came to do. And the work that he came to do was to save sinners. He made it possible. The work of God in salvation. The work of God in creation. And then I think about, and this is, boy, again, these points, you could preach these. Brother Corsair, you're taking notes, aren't you? Amen. Uh, God's work in his children. Philippians 1.6, I love that verse. And it says simply this, He which hath begun a good work in you. Who is that? It's God. It's God that hath begun a good work in you. Will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, we sing the song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought. Aren't you glad? He's still working on me, amen. He's never stopped working on me. How about Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things work together for good. Who, who works them all together? God does, amen. 
to the called who are the called according to his purpose. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the work of God. But then, just as God does a work, not only the work of God, but the work of God's enemy. Just as God works, so Satan, God's enemy, is hard at work. He doesn't take a day off. Satan is a hard worker. Amen. He is. Again, we just have time to scratch the surface in this message, but I think of the work of Satan in the person of the Antichrist. The Bible tells us there's coming a great event in world history. We know it as the rapture of the church, rapier, catching away. And, and when this happens, when God comes for his bride, that, that Antichrist, that, that man of sin will be revealed and it'll start a chain reaction of events. There'll be a, a peace treaty with Israel and the, the highlight and the low light of this period of time we know as, of, as the tribulation, that seven-year period where God deals with his people in a Christ-rejecting world, is the rise of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will, uh, uh, this promotion, he'll be promoted and he'll be deeply rooted in his ability to bring normalcy to the world after the rapture. And he comes and he signs that seven-year peace agreement with Israel and then three and a half years he steps into that temple and says, I'm God, worship me, take the mark or die. Say, what does that have to do with Satan's work? Well, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. The Holy Spirit is hindering until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So Satan has a work in the, the Antichrist. You know, not only the work of Satan in the Antichrist, but the work of Satan in the wicked we see that all around. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Good verse to have over your television or your computer or if you want to put it right on your phone. Amen? I'll set no wicked thing before mine eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. Romans 1, 24, 27, verses we know well nowadays. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor, that's a work, their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. That's a work. Later on it said they would change the natural use of of the woman to that which is against nature. That's a work. Men with men working that which is unseemly. Working, working that which is unseemly. The phrase workers of iniquity is used 21 times in your King James Bible. See, Satan does a work. The work of Satan in the Antichrist and the work of Satan in uh, the, the sinners or the wicked. But, you know, I want to tell you something. There's a work of Satan in the church of God. Let me, and, and again, I just have time to scratch the surface. I'm going to throw these points at you. You know, the number one work that Satan does in the church of God is to get us to doubt the word of God. 
If he can do that, everything else is gravy. Because if you doubt the word of God, you won't pray, you won't be faithful, you won't read the word of God, you certainly won't tell other people about the word of God if you doubt that it is the word of God. So he, he casting doubt upon God's word. He tempts us to disobey, doesn't he? That's something that Satan does within the church. Not only casting doubt and tempting disobey, slandering. Read Genesis 3. Read Job 1 and 2. Read Matthew 4 and Luke 4. I'm going to tell you something. Every time we find the recorded words of Satan, we find slander. He slandered God to man in Genesis chapter 3. He slandered man to God in Job chapter 1 and 2. And he slandered the God-man in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Slandering. He slanders, speaks lies. Afflicting. Didn't he afflict Job? Remember that woman that was bent over for 18 years? The Bible says, whom Satan hath bound. Afflicting. According to the Apostle Paul, he has a hindering work that he does. Apostle Paul said, look, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. You know, he does the work of sowing tares among the wheat. Boy, he, that's, that's been a work of his through all the ages. You can have a church, it, it's amazing, we can have a church where people are on the membership rolls, but they're not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. They, a tear looks just like a grain of wheat until you thresh it. Until you shake it and it just comes apart. Sowing tears. Lying, John 8, 44. Seeking whom he may devour. And then something I want you to notice with me. Go to James chapter 3. This final work of Satan that he does. And I think this work is done in many a church without a lot of people noticing it. Casting doubt upon God's word, tempting to disobey, slandering, afflicting, hindering, sowing tares, lying, seeking whom he may devour, and then imparting his wisdom amongst God's people. Imparting his wisdom. Hey, remember what Psalm 1 told us? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't think there's a lot of people here, uh, maybe say you were going to go into business, that you would get... Uh, forgive me, a pornographer or a, 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 a beer owner, an owner of a beer, I don't think you would go to that person and say, tell me how to run my business. I don't think that. I don't think that would happen. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. Satanic wisdom can creep into a church. And it tells us how right here in James chapter 3, verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. Again, I mentioned this morning how John and James punch you right in the nose. He's saying, look, you didn't get that from heaven. You got it out of the pit of hell. But is earthly, sensual, what's the next word, church? That's not the kind of wisdom I want. For where, there, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I've seen churches torn apart by strife, envy. You know what happens? The devil just sits back and laughs. 
And, but then, by the way, if you read the next verse, you want to talk about some, you want to look at somebody that has true biblical wisdom. Just look at what it says. There's some qualifications here. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. I'm going to tell you what, Pastor Donald, that's the way I want to be as a pastor. When someone comes in to me and says, I need to see you, preacher, right now. I want to say, ho, 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 gentle, easy to be entreated, peaceable. Let, let's, let's try to have the wisdom of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Right. Amen. Yep. I think Satan does this devilish work of imparting his wisdom into the church. We have to be on guard about it. Our own spirit. Hey, am I peaceable? Am I gentle? Hey, when my kids come to me and say, Daddy, we broke something. Am I easy to be entreated? Or am I... <laughs> Now, I won't tell you how I always am because I just convicted myself with that point, amen? <laughs> I shouldn't be. I ought to have that wisdom that's from above. So there's the work of God. There's the work of God's enemy, and then there's the work of God's people. There's a great hymn written by Fanny Crosby. To the work. To the work, to the work, we are servants of God. Let us follow the path that our master hath trod. With the balm of his counsel, our strength to renew. Let us do with our might what our hands find to do. Toiling on, toiling on, amen, toiling on. Let us hope and trust and watch and pray and labor till the master comes. To the work, to the work, let the hungry be fed. To the fountain of life, let the weary be led. In the cross and his banner, our glory shall be. While we herald the tidings, salvation is free. Third verse says, to the work, to the work, there is labor for all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> for the kingdom of darkness and error shall fall. And the love of our Father exalted shall be in the loud swelling chorus. Salvation is free. To the work, to the work, in the strength of the Lord. And a robe and a crown shall our labor reward. When the home of the faithful our dwelling shall be, and we shout with the ransom, salvation is free. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 and, or 11 and 12, uh, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now let me just say this. That doesn't mean that only the pastors and the teachers are to do the work of the ministry. Sometimes we think that the, the pastor, the pastoral staff is, is a, a, a paid uh, soul winner or a paid uh, whatever. Listen, that, that verse would be improper if that were the case. Because we could never possibly accomplish the work of the ministry with one person or two people or three people. But the whole church can accomplish the work of the ministry. And so what is, what is that work of the ministry? What, you know, what, what is that? What, what are we talking about there? He, he says and, and exhorts 
in regards to pastors and teachers and men of God, and I'm not saying this because I'm a man of God, I'm saying it because it's in the Bible. The Bible says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord, and admonish you to esteem them very highly for their works sake and I love the next phrase and be at peace among yourselves on this 121st anniversary of Loomis Park Baptist Church may I exhort each of us that while the workers of God pass off the scene the work of God goes on and there's a work for each of us to do and that work he wants us to do together. And we're going to give an account one day. We're going to stand before him and our work will be made manifest. And the fire will try our work. So what is that, that work of the ministry? What, what is it? By the way, he commands us to always be abounding in the work of God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because we have the victory, because Christ raised from the dead, the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is all about the resurrection of Christ. It ends with this verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. I, I love faithful Christians. Some of you in here are such faithful Christians. You wouldn't miss a service if you were on fire. I mean it, like literally, we'd have to put you out and then get, get back on with the service. I thank God for that. And I understand, listen, there are folks that have sickness and, and folks, I, I understand all that, but I thank God for faithful people. Faithful people build a church. Amen. And I thank God, he says there, be ye steadfast, unmovable. I got to watch my preacher uh, preach today at North Valley, Miss Lindsay, amen. He was preaching the morning service and uh, I thought, what a blessing it was to watch him preach. I was 2,000 miles away, and I could watch on, on my phone and watch him preach, and I thought, I thank God for that faithful man. Faithful. You know what, Brother Lolly? He's the same today as when I met him 23 years ago. Now, his voice has lowered a little bit and probably put on a couple extra pounds. I don't know. But I'm talking about spiritually, he's the same. He's the same. Thank God for that. Be still, always abounding in the work of the Lord is the command of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. God wants us to be always abounding in his work. God wants us to be a clean vessel for the work. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If a man therefore purge himself for these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know, one of the works that we're supposed to do study to show thyself approved unto God a workman you know studying the Bible's work it's, it's it is work trust me I, I'm I, I've talked to young Bible college students before and and I remember a, a particular student I'll not name him but I remember this particular student uh, that one of the professors came to me, Dr. Carr, and we had such a good relationship. And he said, I was 29 years old as a senior, and we had some younger guys. And he came to me and he said, Rich, what do you think I ought to do with this kid? And I said, what do you mean, Doc? He said, well, he, he does his tests and he comes to class, but he won't turn in papers. We had, you know, papers to do in Bible college. You had to do a six-page paper on the Holy Spirit. You had to do a, a ten-page paper on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and forgive me, forgive me, Brother Ewell, I said, flunk him. And he was like, 
and he was just such a nice, kind soul. He'd give them an incomplete, amen. And then if they turned it in two weeks later, he'd give them a C or a D or whatever. And I said, flunk him. He said, why? I said, because last I checked, if you're going into the ministry, you've got to turn in four papers every week. It's called Sunday School, the Sunday Morning Message, the Sunday Evening Message, and the Wednesday Evening Message. And you know what that takes? Study. And you know what it is? Work. If you think, I'm going to tell you this, if you think the men of God here don't work because they don't dig ditches, you're dead wrong. You are dead wrong. We work. We labor. Much study is the weariness of the flesh, <laughs> Ecclesiastes said. And so he tells us to study, but that's not just for pastors. Every one of us ought to be studying our Bible to show ourselves approved. Not to me. Not for that Sunday school class, though that's part of it, but that you want to be pleasing to God. You know what else the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us be doers of the word and not hearers only. Later on it would say in verse 25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What is our work together as a church? Just Quickly, quickly. What is our work together? By the way, the Bible says right in our text today, we are laborers together with God. What are we supposed to do? What's the work of God that God has for us? Let me tell you this. The work of God, first of all, is caring about sinners. Caring about sinners. All of us as a church. I'm so glad that we are a church that by and large cares about sinners and of some having compassion making a difference the bible says i think about that young man who came last year damar damar it was cold brother case he came into our church and really came in to get warm he was sleeping in his car didn't have a job didn't have a place to and I, I, listen, I watched our people dig into their pockets and walk up to them and say, hey, I just want to be a blessing to you. Hey, come. And by the way, he got saved. And, and I thank God. Listen, missions conference. I, I always want to have a hun, at least 100 every night. To me, missions conference says whether we care about sinners or not. Whether we care about sinners more than our tiredness and all those things, that whether we care. I look at our missions offering, and it tells me we care. It tells me we care. That's part of the work of the people of God, the work of the ministry, caring about sinners. Oh, I love this one. Go with me to John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 6, quickly. Last one, there's a rotten egg, amen. John chapter 6. Not only caring about sinners, having compassion on sinners. Having compassion is more than just beating them over the head with your Bible. Amen? This is part of it right here in John chapter 6, uh, the work of, uh, of the ministry, be caring about sinners. It's distributing God's bread. John 6, 11, look what it says there. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. That sounds an awful lot to me like work. Doesn't it? 
Jesus said, you make the men to sit down in companies of 50s. And Jesus blessed and break, gave it to the disciples. And Brother Lolly, you had to go to that group of 50 and bring it over here and bring them the bread and bring them the fish. You know, the Bible tells us our, our theme verse for our missions conference, Lord willing, our banner will be up this week, is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what that is? Just distributing the bread of life to people that need it. You know, by you carrying gospel tracts, you know what you're doing? You're distributing God's bread. You're spreading God's bread around, amen. Listen, Saturday, we, we had yesterday, I, I think well, there was five of us that went out soul winning and two more that made calls. Listen, don't get mad at me. That's not just for pastoral staff. That's not just for pastoral staff. I'm glad to do it, and I'd do it whether I was on staff or not, Brother Jim. Always have, glory to God. That's work. That's work. Just going to somebody's door. Literally, most of the doors, Pastor Donald, I went to yesterday, there was nobody home. I remember, literally, I had gone to about nine doors, and a guy popped out of his garage, and I said to him, so I said, Sir, I'm glad to see you. I was beginning to think this was some sort of government camp that looks like a real neighborhood, but everybody's dead. You know, there's nobody here, amen. I said, you're the first live human being I've seen. He started laughing, and I was able to say, hey, look, we're out inviting folks to church today. We would love to have you come visit us for Easter service. You know, a lot of soul winning is just as easy as that. Brother Drake, Brother Drake got to lead somebody to Christ. I'm telling you, just talking to a lady, he was so kind to her. She was washing her truck, and Drake said, look, I know you're washing your truck, but I, I'd like to tell you about how to go to heaven. She's, and he's, you know, fully expecting her to say, I'm busy, Brother Case, but she didn't. Because this young man went. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a flaw of our church, and it needs to be remedied. It needs to be remedied. we got to get out there and beat the bushes. It's not enough to just be involved in choir and ushering and ERT and all that. we got to get after sinners. It's work. It's work to distribute God's bread. I, I mean, what if Andrew said, you know, I don't want to distribute God's bread. A lot of God's people are saying that. They're not saying it with their lips, but their life speaks a lot louder than their lips. Caring about sinners. Distributing God's bread. Oh, I love this one. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. i got to move on from that one before I start making enemies all over the house. Hey, you know, you know what I have to say? If you want to be my enemy, I have this to say to you right here. Amen. I was told there would be cake. Amen. And there will be in about 15 minutes. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12. Hey, you know what? I stand with Paul on that. If you're not trying to reach people, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Yeah. Amen. Acts 12, 12. Look at it. What should we do? We should be caring about sinners. We should be distributing God's bread. We should be praying for God's will, work, and workers. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Jesus Christ had one prayer request, pray ye the Lord of the harvest 
that he'll send forth laborers into his heart. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we ought to be praying for one another, for God's will, for God's work, amen, for our own, for God's workers. God, send workers into your harvest field. Let me give you another one, Hebrews, book of Hebrews. And this is the last point, hallelujah. I'm glad nobody else said hallelujah to that, amen. <laughs> last point. What is, what, what is our work? The work of the ministry, amen. Well, listen, we're to be caring about sinners, distributing God's bread, praying for God's will, work, and workers. And then lastly, Hebrews chapter 6. And this is one I think we're, we're good at here. I think the Lord is blessing this here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Praying for God's will, work, and workers, caring about sinners, distributing God's bread, ministering to God's people. Ministering to God's people. Last week in our church, Mama Holy had to leave. She was coughing. Turned out she had pneumonia. Miss Marjorie Hearth, after morning service, said, Do you have a number for Mrs. Holy's daughter? And Miss Kim looked up our, by the way, that's we need, why we need your emergency contact information. If you haven't turned any in, we need it. Amen. And we got Mama Holy's daughter's number, and Mrs. Hearth went over there on her own time. Because she loves that dear lady she's sitting next to tonight. No, the Bible still says for us to provoke one another to love and to good works. Let us consider one another. Look out at that person and don't consider whether they like you or not or whether they're uglier than you are or not. Brother Case is uglier than everybody, amen. <laughs> Brother Case said that's right. <laughs> consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Pure religion and undefiled is this, to visit the widows and the fatherless. Do you know who our widows are in this church? We have several right here. There's two right here in this row. There's two over there ministering to the saints. Hey, that's part of the work of the ministry. The ministry that only wins souls and doesn't minister to saints won't have saints very long. It's the reason that deacons were created, Brother Mike. There was a group of Grecian widows that weren't being ministered to. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. 121 years, to God be the glory. And by the way, gratitude to those who came before us. I always think of that as a pastor. I think of Pastor Pease. I think of Pastor Anthony. I think of Pastor Marowelli. I think of Pastor Pike. And I think of these men of God that preach the word of God. But I also think of people that bought pews and painted walls and scraped caulk and, yes. and mowed fields and all of that that's part of the work of God. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's keep at it. Yes. Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith in the earth? I sure hope he would look at us and say, you know, they cared about sinners. 
They, they prayed for my will and my work. They distributed my bread. And they ministered to my people. God be the glory. Father, we love you. Thank you.